Welcome to the Public Health Joy Podcast, the safe space for real and honest conversation about what building a public health research career is really like, the challenges, the triumphs, and all the lessons we learn along the way. I'm your host, Dr. Joy, a public health researcher, PhD survivor, and entrepreneur. In today's episode, we are continuing the conversation in part two of Public Health, The Next Generation with Dr. Ashley White-Jones and Dr. Antonio Gardner as we share our experiences as young, gifted, and Black public health researchers, not only healing our communities, but healing ourselves. This is where research meets relationship, and together we will find our public health joy. Um, one thing I was going to add when you talked about like what brings us joy, like I think for me, um, like you said, I was not the person that was like, this is what I want to do. I found my calling for the rest of my life at like 10, like I didn't even know this existed, but I was a very, I'll say like artistic child as far as like drawing, finding, like I thought I was going to be a fashion designer at one point, which is you know, I still have the opportunity, you know, if I just put all this stuff aside. But I was going to do that. I was going to be an architect. So there's always been this place of like trying to build and create things. And I think um, for those of us in public health who came from the hard sciences, the chemistries, the biologies, we, we started to be more logical and kind of losing that piece of ourselves. So there's this, this very objective world, like this is what it is, like, you know, we can do an equation and it's going to always equal this. And I think um, public health also became a space where we could break away from that, where we had the science piece of it. But there was also this creativity, this being able to create programs, pull together all these different people, networking, the social aspect of it, where we talk about public health as both an art and a science. And I think that was one of the other drawing um pools for me is being able to marry those two pieces of my brain that had always been like in conflict with each other like you can't do the science and you can't do the art you have to kind of like pick one um and so in doing that I actually was able to like reconnect with like my inner child <laughs> during my dissertation because I used poetry which was one of my big things like as a kid was just like writing and never sharing stuff but to be able to actually in research marry the two pieces of myself together and now starting to see that become more appreciated with um self-promotion practices journal which has a section on poetry for the public health and so that is kind of like a new thing like that was never a place for those types of research and for it to be seen as legitimate and valid and valuable and now there is and so we talked a little bit about like how the landscape is changing and I think there'll be more um, students who actually get to keep those pieces of themselves and not have to give it up in the name of like doing science so to speak um, and there'll be a place for their for their work to be to be seen and I hope to see more of that as well absolutely now that now that you're saying that it makes me think about I was a girl scout full disclosure I was a girl scout so <laughs> I was like 17 all the way through high school and, and so I got my gold award and silver award which is the equivalent of like an eagle scout for boy scouts mm -hmm. 
And I remember I was, I'm a church girl too. So shout out to Beyonce. Okay, Beyonce. I'm a church girl too. And I was choir director, played piano at church. And I remember the first time I got to hear about music therapy and mm-hmm. I heard about it. I think it was at some kind of medical doctor shadowing program, something where that was like the first time I, I saw the merge of the creative arts with science. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, mind-blowing and you're right we we get to we get to be more creative in public health and tying those two sides together and seeing what we can do and that's kind of the the beauty that public health is in everything um Mm -hmm. and that we don't have to give up any of those things that we love or that we're passionate about to pursue our profession that's pretty cool no I think I want to stay a little bit longer yeah I just come to Jesus moment (laughs) with myself Antonio and Joy on this track this is this is is therapy in itself (laughs) like we're we're telling the truth Mm-hmm. And I think that really is what we're on. A, I'm working on a study now that's looking at substance abuse in Black men, and they're based in. Uh, we have a well, I co-founded a company that does therapy, and it's um through online their online platform, and so we've been recruiting for this study and had like a whole lot of hiccups and stuff, kind of getting through it. And we we did our first set of pre uh pre-therapy interviews pre-intervention interviews this past week and had a a little bit of a debrief and one of our participants kind of shared this is kind of like the first time he had a chance to really just talk and just talk about you know what was happening in his life and why he you know what all his past experiences have been black and all that has kind of led him to substance substance use um which is how he actually got into the study and so I think for a lot of us being able to talk to people who share similar interests or particularly just an opportunity to say how you really feel, uh, we don't get afforded that very often. And in a place where there is like no judgment right. or, you know, you just hear just share and nobody's going to look at you funny or say anything about, you know, what your choices were, which is kind of here to help. And so I think that that, that also gives us um, another good space and why, I'm really more so drawn to that qualitative type of research um, because we get to hear people's stories and not just really focus on what the numbers say, but really understand why the numbers are the way that they are. So, and I was yeah. kind of asking that my chair dissertation just she kind of joked with me because we had a, a a nice relationship of talking and listening. And I love that's really why I love qualitative research. I get to hear everyone's story. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of talked about Ashley being the storyteller. I'm more like the story listener on the team. <laughs> um, and so we have to marry those two um, parts of our identities together for sure. But um, there's definitely opportunities for us to just, even in the research, depending on how you phrase the question, how you um, post things. It can be therapy for some individuals to tell their stories, and we want that to be a part of um, the research. But I hate to even say research right now because mm-hmm. it's, it's not. It's just life. Like we need to have those conversations, those heart to heart to hearts with each other. Sometimes um, it just so happens there's a microphone in the room, or that it just right. so happens that we're on Zoom when we're doing these things. But having those spaces, those opportunities, is definitely needed, especially for Black men. Um, we get a lot of flack. <laughs> There's a lot that we have to, you know, carry. We have to live up to these masculinity standards and you know, a man should be doing this and a real man should be doing this. And it's like, okay, well, when do I have time to just be, just be? Mm-hmm. 
just be. And so um, creating those spaces, creating those outlets, even through the research um, is fulfilling in that regard too. So uh, we always go back and forth, Ashley, now about how to even phrase a question um, before we get to the interview with the pastor or the interview with some of the work that she's doing on, the, uh, on her end. So definitely create those spaces, create those opportunities for others to tell their stories, be receptive to, to what they have to say. Um, I'm one of the people, I don't give a lot of feedback. I'll give feedback to Ashley in our one-on-one <laughs> conversations, but um, I'm really just there to, to, to hear you talk. And some people love it, some people hate it, but um, get that off of your chest. Mm-hmm. Let me um, help you to, to engage in your own form of therapy for little to no cost. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy. I know you're trying to wrap this up. <laughs> it's okay we we on we on part two of this episode now yeah. <laughs> but no I was just gonna add like I think for us in public health and particularly those of us who are like church kids we also see this as kind of like our mission our ministry work like this is like what I don't whatever God or person universe is telling you to do and I think that's also one of the reasons that we stay in doing this because this is about like helping people and sometimes and this is like my real transparent moment when I read in a lot of these transcripts because we talk about a lot of trauma and like just hardships because we do a lot of uh, vicarious racism work and I was reading the transcripts and I literally just started crying I'm like I don't know if I'm supposed to be at work today because I cannot like read through these transcripts there are sometimes that you really can't separate yourself and because you're so connected in the black community regardless of if we are actually related when we do share those experiences there's a lot of empathy and so like reading transcripts sometimes is a very emotional piece like like going to a museum so to speak like when I go to the like African-American civil rights museums there's always time afterwards which we have to just kind of sit down and reflect and the same kind of process happens, like reading those transcripts. Like you just have to sit on the floor sometime and cry because it's like, that's my cousin. Like, even though we're not related, but yes, that's yes. that. And I wonder if other, I've always wondered if other researchers ever felt that like emotional connection to their work in the same way that, you know, we do sometimes. So yeah, I can't speak for anybody else, but I know I have. And my this for real about to be a two-part, two-part uh, <laughs> podcast episode. But for my dissertation, I've I've done a lot of, of work in sex education, right? And a lot of that stemmed from my growing up in the black church. Because if you grew up in the black church, sex was like a, right. a three-letter mm-hmm. word you don't say. <laughs> I mean, um, um, unless we talking about a particular Bible story, sex, right. sex, we we don't talk about that. And so, and then when you start thinking about, I, I I would probably say most people have probably had some type of experience where they knew someone who was, you know, your friend in church who got pregnant or got somebody mm-hmm. pregnant, and then all of the shame and all of the right. taboo and all the yeah. You can't sit in the choir no more. You got to go sit out, right. sit out in the pews. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, you got to go apologize to the deacon board. You got to go, you know, do all these things, and, mm-hmm. and you know, you you kind of got the scarlet the letter, scarlet letter, yeah, right. Yeah. 
So a lot of that I'm so because of my experiences, I'm so connected to it that for my dissertation research, I also focused on sex education and professional development. But what I chose to do was an autoethnography. Um, and for those who may be listening, who may not know, a, a ethnography is focused on understanding culture. So an mm-hmm. autoethnography is understanding yourself in relation to the culture and understanding lived experiences. And so I went through and I literally wrote, getting back to that creative experience, I, I wrote out stories of my experiences of, of growing up in Mississippi and experiencing sex education or the lack thereof as a student, my experience uh, growing up in the black church um, and what the conversations around sex was like growing up in public school um, mm-hmm. and experiencing sex education or the lack thereof. And then transitioning to going to Catholic school. If I thought I didn't get <laughs> sex education covered before, definitely. <laughs> I definitely ain't get it from, from the nuns and mm-hmm. and sister so and so who's telling me sister so and so is telling me about sex mm-hmm. like it just one plus one was not equal and two the math was not mathing like <laughs> how am I supposed to understand mm-hmm. sex education so just having the opportunity and it really was like that there were a lot of things that I had not sat down and processed a lot of things that I had I had not talked about with anyone mm-hmm since I was a teenager and experienced those things. And so being, and then being able to interview other people, other people who were native Mississippians and have very similar. So I, I could be like, Oh, you went through that too. Yes. Like yeah. that that's happening in other places. Like I'm not alone. Like it really was therapeutic for me. And I learned a lot about myself and it became a healing process for me because for a long time, I had a period where I was like, I'm not going to church. <laughs> I was like, I was in college. I was like, I don't understand. I'm not, y'all didn't have me in this sheltered world mm-hmm. for I don't know how long. Then I get to college and I was, people wilding out. I'm like, what is going yeah. on? And so I'm just trying to process everything. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to church. I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> we, so, we have those phases where we have to drop yeah. in out of church. I think I'm in the drop out phase right now. <laughs> Um, like I won't go to the physical church, but I'll definitely log in for Facebook, you know, to the Facebook mm-hmm. services and things like that. Um, but it can get heavy um, depending on what your research is. So I had that happen my first semester in the doc program. I was doing a, um, I think it was a lit review. It had to be a lit review. Um, and my population, I chose it. Like I had done this research before in my master's degree, but um, being away from the master's degree and then getting like immersed into the church um, when I was, you know, in my gap years and being in like three different choirs on the praise and worship team and coming back to research on, at that time it was um, HIV disclosure, with, specifically with men who had sex with men, and to get into the qualitative piece and read the stories, it was like, sometimes it was like soft porn. I was like, I just left. I'm, like, I'm supposed to go to, I need to pray about this before I read the next article or even read the next line so um it does get interesting when you're trying to navigate and maybe I should have done an ethnography um <laughs> navigate you know placing yourself in that literature and what's your role in interpreting those stories that are being told and how you're um because those stories are already convey how you reconveying that to Mm-hmm. Um, your intended population say okay this is what the literature is saying so it was rough to get through 
um, that lit review my first yeah yeah my first semester and so I had to step away from the disclosure research for a while just to you know understand myself and placement and masculinity and all the things uh, to get back to that type of research because I you know when you I was in the master's degree I was looking at it from one angle post you know being your spiritual awakening you're looking at things differently and then it's like okay wait who am I what am I doing with this <laughs> who am I helping <laughs> what what's my goal here um so that's a whole nother discussion that needs to be had about religion and um, how we place ourselves and pub the public health research that we do that sometimes counters what we've been taught um, mm -hmm. in the church. Yeah, and then you have to be careful about how you respond to people. When you respond mm -hmm. to people in the community, it's like, okay, am I am I speaking from my position as a researcher? Am I speaking from the position of that hurt little girl in church? Am I speaking from the position of the wild and out college student? Like, what is going on mm -hmm. and, and how am I responding to this community? Like it really takes time to process. And it's not, when we're talking about research, we tend to think, oh, this is, this is, this is an objective thing, right? It's numbers, it's numerical, it's, it's either true or false. Yeah. Like there's no in-between, it's black and white. There is no gray, but when it comes to public health research, it's gray, it's, it's rainbow gray. color. It's, it's 50 shades of gray. 50 shades of gray, rain, shine, everything in the middle, like muddy, like everything. And it takes yep. time and you really have to do the work on yourself um, before you start going to work with communities. And it, it just takes time. That's the um, your positionality. What are your, yeah. when we talk about that and and qualitative like sometimes <laughs> like what you mean positionality like I'm just me but there are terms for how do we center ourselves in this work and how do our personal uh, experiences the the things that make us who we are how does that actually you know fit into our research and it's going to in some way muddy the waters a little bit because a little a little piece of us is always going to like seep out somewhere and whether we're asking questions, whether we really want to know this for ourselves or is this a part of the research? And so I think that um, that's why we, I really love qualitative so much is because you got to keep who you were. You didn't have to just kind of go into the field as this superior being Dr. So-and-so. You got to just be Ashley from Lambert, Mississippi, just talking to folks that were in the community with her and feeling feeling uh, valid and understood in those ways and also creating a space for other people to do the same thing. And just, I think all of us kind of go through that church break period mm -hmm. because, and for, no, I say this, all of us do, but I feel like it's it's at a higher level when you have decided to go take on a PhD and you start to see the world in a different, <laughs> a different light and it's just kind of like sometimes like the more you learn the more you have to unlearn mm -hmm. and so that's basically like where all of us are now just kind of unlearning those things that were taught to us whether they were good or bad just kind of trying to make those decisions for ourselves and um processing all of that like everything that we did as a child during especially in church was not always right but we had to do it like 
you know, whether we learn to or not, those is part of surviving. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine your head. That unlearning process is real. And especially when you become older and you go back to the same church yes. that oh, you grew up goodness. in and you like, how how did I right. how did I make it out? It's like they got this uh TikTok or Instagram reel saying it's like, I don't know how I did it, but I made it happen. Like, <laughs> like that's how I feel when I go back home. And I'm like, how did I, how did yeah. I make it through this? Like, how did mm-hmm. I survive? And just thinking about the thought process and the, the type of thinking that mm-hmm. we have in the Black church and, and probably what, what we grew up with is a little bit different than what what is presented in the black church now in a lot of places because we because i know for me it was more than fire brimstone yeah you know know, that kind of scary scary fear of god type teaching so now it's prosperity Oh, yeah. manifesting <laughs> and getting millions and stuff I'm like my pastor didn't tell us nothing about mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I must have been in the wrong service right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah I think that but given all the things that we have experienced I think that is what makes our research unique and it's also the reason why we we are able to build that trust with community members when we do go out because we've had these same experiences and mm-hmm. Um, nobody else can come into that church and talk to them about sex education now, you know, or HIV or mental health the way that we can now because we we're one of them mm-hmm. and we are a part of them. And so that makes it makes it worthwhile. Even you know, it's just interesting to be on the other side, like and to be an adult really mm-hmm. now and go back into church and see things from a different perspective and also like a professional that does this type of work so people have asked me especially during COVID and like Dr. Jones so what what's going on with the COVID so I'm like I'm not I'm not Dr. Fauci first of all like, <laughs> I don't know like I'm, I'm honestly trying to stay as far away from COVID numbers right now because it has become too much of my life and so I'm like I don't really want to be asking these questions just randomly mm-hmm. about what what's the next wave going to be what do we need to be doing it's kind of like I just came to church like I just uh, <laughs> I don't know it's one it's the same situation where uh was similar not exactly the same is you know when people are like is there a doctor in the house mm-hmm. when there's somebody choking or something that's the kind of is there a doctor in the house situation that we go into like what is COVID? What does this mean? What is, and we have to answer those types of questions. And I think that's probably been the first time that people have really understood what public health is or pieces of it outside right. of the health department. My dad used to tell people that I sold insurance <laughs> um, I, because I did work with the Affordable Care. So he thought, you know, his the closest thing was. She must sell insurance or something. And so that's what people call her idea. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's not it. But if that helps you understand it, you know, that's fine. I'm not, not going to dispute it. But mm-hmm. yeah. And, and with that COVID <laughs> example that you gave, Ashley, um, where it's, it's the doctor in the house, I've just had to basically teach people how to do research for themselves because I can't be on top of it all the time. Every day was always late breaking something. This is the latest trend. This is the latest recommendation. 
And I'll be sitting on the couch some days, like at lunchtime with my laptop, trying to Google the terms because um, whoever's on TV was talking at this level and the population's at this level. I'm like, okay, let, okay, if I have to Google what's going on, this is problematic. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, gets into the health literacy piece and how um, we were ineffective as public health practitioners in a lot of regards in terms of translating that information for the general public to understand. But my thing was really just showing people how to to do the research. Like, hey, it's the CDC website. This is a credible site. I promise you they are credible. (laughs) Not only do we depend on them in the United States, but other countries depend on them as well. This This is where you need to look for this information. This is how you find information from your state department of health and from your local department of health. Um, to gather the relevant information. And then if you have questions about interpretation, that's where I can come in. But I'm not the boots on the ground. Like This is what the, the rule is today. This is the recommendation today. But I can, from that research, make inferences and make recommendations. Like I, I'm not doing the primary research data, well, the primary data collection on these projects. So yeah. good luck. Um, and yeah. so I ended up being <laughs> a teacher um, again. Um, and people don't even look us look at us as researchers, for example, just think, oh, he's at a university, he's a professor, all he does is teach. And then they say, oh, well, classes are over, you don't have anything to do. I'm like, actually, <laughs> before calendar, um, after the students mm-hmm. are here. And sometimes even, you know, during the semester, I've had to, you know, change class times or move things online because I'm at a conference or I'm presenting something or I'm out in the field trying to collect data um, and there's no other time it could fit into the schedule. So there's a lot more to it. And I think that's the tricky part when you're in academia and in public health is Mm -hmm. explaining what you do there and explaining the contracts and, okay, this is what my split looks like. This is how much time I should be devoting to this, how much time I should be devoting to that. Um, but circling back to the bigger issue of, okay, this is how I can be a resource for you with the skills that I have, with the expertise that I have. Yeah. And I think that for me, I can't speak for everybody, of course, but for me, I think there's a lot of pressure, especially being a young black person with a PhD. And in our community, it's like, people just say doctor and it's like, oh. like, and the support, the support is amazing. Like the love is amazing. But the pressure that people come come to you with is crazy. But I think it's also okay to say, I don't know everything. Just because I have these letters behind my name or I have this degree, I don't know everything. I know enough that got me through this dissertation. Like, like that's that. And and I'm continuing to learn, but here is how I can help. And being able to to phrase that and, and be able to voice that. Uh, in a comfortable mm-hmm. way to say, you know, I don't know. I don't. And that's, and that is perfectly fine. And yeah. then the other thing that I think is also helpful is because we come, because of the communities that we come from, even if we've kind of grown into our adulthood or our professional life and our thinking may have changed, we also understand why those p- people may think the way that they do those people in our community, those people who may not have had the same experiences that we've had, because we once had those thoughts too. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. because we were brought up in the same environment, but we've had different experiences that have allowed our thinking to change. And so being able to acknowledge that and understand that so that when you do go back to those communities or you're in a similar community, if they say something that you don't agree with or you don't understand, you kind of have to go back and say, okay, you know what? I once thought that too, Mm -hmm. but I had this particular experience that allowed me to change. Just kind of having that in mind and being able to relieve yourself of the pressure that you have to know and address everything right and and that's the biggest (laughs) misconception of people with doctoral degrees is that they know everything Mm -hmm. i had to clear that up with especially family uh, people from my my home community and even like staff around here and they're like oh you have a phd you know everything i'm like no are we, we learn <laughs> very specific um and what i don't know and that's what i appreciate about um dr yerby um leah yerby she was my professor for that health policy and planning course that was kind of my aha moment for hey maybe i should be going into this field and not uh, pursuing this medicine thing but every week there would be a quote almost every week there'd be a question that she did not have the answer to um, on the spot. And she said, well, I don't know the answer, but I'll get back to you on that. And every week she starts the class with, well, such and such asked this question last week and here's the response. And that really just kind of piqued my curiosity even more. It's like, okay, well, she doesn't know, but she's finding out, she's doing the research, she's following up. Uh, what does she do? Because some professions, physicians, they do come across as no <laughs> a lot of times mm-hmm. they know everything about everything and they don't um a lot of times which is how we end up in some of these situations public health wise um with the COVID-19 pandemic for example with a gastroenterologist saying hey you shouldn't wear a mask I'm like are you really the expert to give that recommendation <laughs> giving your specialty um we have to clear that up professionally as well across professions not just within public health but mds need to stay in their lane do's need to stay in their lanes nurse practitioners pharmacists etc everybody has a lane that they're supposed to be in should try to stay in as, as best as you can and where you don't have the expertise you call on the other expert to help convey the information or provide the resource the relevant resources for whatever the issue is yeah. And so that's what I love about that being built into our areas of responsibility is serving as a resource. But when you don't have the information, you know how to get the information to the population through the relevant experts um, yeah. on that topic. Yeah, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start building that into my brand. Like definition of a researcher, my job title is I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I seek the answer. That's right. what researchers do. Right. Like it's, it's, it's built into the description. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we just not having that pressure has, has been a sense of freedom for me. So I'd be glad to tell somebody, I don't know, but I can help you find the answer because that's, mm-hmm. that's what I do best. Right. Okay, so as we get ready to wrap up part two of this <laughs> podcast episode why don't we tell uh, tell the listeners kind of where where they can find you how to get in touch how they can contact you if they want to ask questions or just reach out yes best place to find me is facebook antonio j Gardner. i'm always on there um because i like to stay connected to family friends just to everyone i've ever come in contact with there if you can't find me there twitter i'm less active there but antonio underscore gardner at antonio underscore gardner gardner with one e not two e's by the way and um linkedin i finally updated my linkedin <laughs> 
Same thing, look for me, Antonio J. Gardner. This was after APHA a few weeks ago. Um, someone's like, well, you haven't updated your LinkedIn profile. So I went back to my room. I'm um, updated for the first time in about six years. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm more social on there now. And I think those are the social media handles where you can best um, find me and connect with me. And you'll find, especially on Facebook, you'll see things about my personal life. You'll see things about professional life. I'll be sharing things about Chiz, Inchick, Delta Selfie, Selfie. It's just a melting pot of Antonio on Facebook, if that's where you choose to find me. And, and Twitter, too. Yeah, I'm currently debating if I'm going to be on Twitter for a <laughs> so much longer. Um, so am I. So like I love Twitter and I'm just like heartbroken a little bit about it like gosh something you have to leave but until I decide to um, exit Twitter I'm on Twitter at ash ash underscore n underscore white I'm on Facebook too I think it's Ashley White Jones I haven't changed my name in a couple of years but Facebook is probably my most reliable method since I've had it since Facebook actually existed so we feel really old right now i had a facebook before people had facebook i don't even know what my linkedin is but if you type my name in i think it should come up in in google somewhere you should find it but for the most part all right well i thank you all so much for an incredible conversation uh and we talked about so much and i know this, this went a lot longer than <laughs> that we anticipated but it was incredible conversation and I'm incredibly grateful for uh your time and we are going to wrap up this episode so thank you all for joining me I am so grateful for this time we got to spend together if you enjoyed this episode I need you to subscribe rate and leave a review for more information on transforming public health research into positive community impact, visit www.joywashington.com. This is where research meets relationship. And I'll see you next time on the Public Health Joy Podcast.